And hello and welcome to this week's edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. For now, <laughs> until perhaps some of us get banned or Twitter gets uh, all kinds of other problems, you can follow me on Twitter for minute-by-minute updates on good stories, important stories, important commentary. My Twitter handle is at JakeJakeNY. Uh, many of you are switching over to Parler, which at the moment that I am broadcasting this is suspended. Hopefully it will come back, the entire app. On Parler, my uh, handle is at Novak Jake, at Novak Jake. Um, and I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is another great place to find me. Just type in the name Jake Novak, you'll, you'll find me. Um, I wanted to do something on this broadcast that hopefully will transcend just the events of this week. Hopefully will transcend, hopefully will be something that defines what you as listeners take away from this program, whether you've listened to one episode or a hundred. Because it's important, I think, for those of us now who have for the last 10 years or so, because of social media, had a tremendous amount of the tools to create our own media type structures to, to make it our own. It's important for us to, I think, change the trends that the establishment news media, the establishment entertainment media, the establishment information media has been creating for centuries. Certain human that, – that some of the things that tap into human nature, some things that don't. And I think we have the opportunity to do that. Uh, I think, folks, that whereas – and you've heard me say this a number of times on the Nachum Siegel Network, something that I've learned not only from 26 – plus years as a television news producer, but also just as a human being. You've heard me say that the number one bias, the number one forceful sort of tilt of the news media since the beginning of time has always been towards negative, sensational, scary stories, scary news, things that elicit anger and fear in in the audience. And I think that's been true true probably since the time of the cave drawings, although I'm not 100% sure about that. I'll have to ask an, a historical anthropologist, but I wouldn't be surprised. But certainly since the beginning of established newspapers and coming up all the way through social media, even though social media, there's so much of social media is, the content is generated by people who are not media executives or media professionals, just normal people. And I think, so of course, human nature plays a role in this also. But I believe there's a way to change that or make a real push against it without necessarily having to climb against the tide of human nature. Now, I want to talk about the events of this week very briefly because I don't know if there's much to say from a scholarly point of view, a wise point of view, uh, on Wednesday, January 6th, as you know, under some very suspicious circumstances, it's really hard. I don't know if we'll ever know exactly how the protesters got into the Capitol building. Many of you may have seen video where they were basically escorted in or guided in by, by Capitol police officers. Of course, I don't know how to really truly verify a lot of those videos. Maybe they, maybe they, that's possible, maybe it isn't. But as you know, in, in the wake of those protests, in the wake of the breaches of the Capitol doors, or whether they were open enough for them or not, the fact the protesters got onto the floor of the House of Representatives and all that, and 
Five people died, including a Capitol Police officer. And you don't need me. Hopefully you don't need me to say that that is an atrocity. Hopefully you don't need me to say that that violence can't be condoned under any circumstances the way it played out. But we're going to need to find out who was really responsible. I don't know if we'll ever find that out. We know that the overwhelming majority of the country has blamed this on the Trump supporters, although I do believe it was mostly Trump supporters who died among the five victims. And we know that a tremendous amount of the country is blaming President Trump for, quote-unquote, inciting the violence. Again, I, I think that that's a debatable thing. Now, we could, I could do, obviously, this entire edition of Novak Now to discuss this and many more. I choose not to, though, because I think that if you've listened to even half of the Novak Now broadcasts over these years, you probably know some of the major points I'm going to bring up, and hopefully you're, keeping, you're, you're taking those to heart. Hopefully you understand that, as, you've, as you know, I've said so many times, that the essence of politics, especially in this country, is hypocrisy. You can't be in politics, you can't be political without being hypocritical. It, is, it, it just defines the act of politics. And I've, dis- I've explained that and, and I've reasoned that out many times. And so the hypocrisy in regards to the reactions to the riot, the protest, whatever you want, the, the violent protest, whatever you want to call it on Wednesday, the hypocrisy is off the charts. You've also heard me say that there is a real overall, to the core, lack of decency and effectiveness in our elected leaders. And our elected leaders, with the support, cooperation, enabling of the establishment news media in this country and the punditry and, the, and, and academia, are all corrupt it is so corrupt right now. And I am absolutely painting this with a wide brush. This is not about Democrats, only Democrats. It's not only about Republicans. It's not about independents. People who are in elective office in this country are, are elected leaders, especially at the highest levels. Our congressional leaders, you know, like the majority leaders and the Speaker of the House and the presidents that we've had, they are essentially corrupt and they are essentially not serving the public. And I think that's always been true to some extent, and there's been an acceptable amount of corruption and an acceptable amount of ineptitude that we've all swallowed over the years that has reached way too high a level in the last several years. And yes, I believe that for the most part, President Trump's policies were very good. But he was not allowed, I don't think, to really lead the country properly. And, to, and to, if those of you think I'm just going to make excuses for him, I'm not. I think that he actually alone and the people around him, closest to him, were never truly prepared for his presidency. I don't think they expected to win. They should have read more of my articles during 2016 and the articles of others who were also quite wise, who were, who were trying to tell the country that he was going to win. I don't think he was ever really prepared to win and his people were ever really prepared to win and ever prepared to really take on the abundance of the forces against him. So again, I I could talk about this Capitol Hill insurrection, as they call it, or whatever they're calling the incitement to violence, all those things for the entire Novak now. But I don't want to do that because 
I, I think it's just so obvious what, what we can learn from it, which is just that the establishment in this country is incredibly hypocritical. These are the same people who cheered on and in some cases bailed out and funded the violent rioting all summer. And it wasn't just in public places or, or in parks. It was also on government buildings like the federal building in Portland. So this isn't just about, oh, well, this is different because it's a government building. It's, it's the same. And there's hypocrisy all around, and now there's people on the other side who are, who are excusing the violence at, on, on Capitol Hill who were, who were um, condemning the violence all summer. You can't have it both ways. I think that's the most important thing. We're hearing just, I mean, I, just, I don't know if there's any major establishment figure, both in politics or in, or in corporate America, and I'll throw in, obviously, news media and academia. I don't think there's anyone who has sent an email. A lot of us have gotten emails in the last several weeks, several days, condemning the Capitol Hill for stuff. I don't think there's any major voice in America that hasn't been totally hypocritical about, about these protests and violence in the, over the last year and certainly in the last week. And that's indicative, indicative of a lot of things. So here's what I want. But here's what I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I am truly dedicating this edition of Novak now in a challenge to all of you as listeners. And I challenge you for this. As you've heard me say, the overwhelming majority, the overwhelming bias, the overwhelming tilt of news media, whether it's your newspaper all the way to your phone and social media, is for negative stuff that gets people angry and gets people afraid. And if this were 20 years ago, I wouldn't be able to really do much about it other than lecture the major news media companies. But because social media is still, the content of social media is still very much in the hands of normal people, this is something that we can change. And this is something that I do want you to do, which is become a fierce and interesting optimist on social media. For those of you who are active on social media, for those of you who have it, I know a lot of you who are listening don't participate in the Twitters and the Facebooks and parlors, and, and I get it. I think a lot of you, maybe for religious reasons, feel that that isn't such a good thing to do. And I get it. And for those of you who are, have never participated on social media one way or the other, that's fine. But even if you're the kind of person who just reads on social media and doesn't post, it may be time to come off the sidelines. And for those of you who do post, it's time for you to, I hope, follow the advice I'm about to give you, which is, again, fierce optimism. Now, what do I mean by fierce optimism? Now, when you're in journalism school, one of the ways that they excuse or explain away the fact that there's a real negative bias in news, if you have an honest professor or an honest administrator who's talking to you about it, you know, a lot of people in journalism don't even realize this. There are people I know who have been in, in, in journalism longer than, than I, I have who actually don't see or don't recognize consciously the fact that they're, they, are, they are much more inclined to do negative, scaremongering news. As hard to believe as that is, I, I know people like this. But if you have someone honest, someone who has a little bit of a good awareness, and they're willing to teach you about this, the, the explanation they'll give you is, well... That's human nature. For example, it would be boring and it wouldn't sell us any newspapers or get us any clicks online if we reported every time there was a safe jet landing at JFK Airport. Obviously, we're going to report on every crash because even if hopefully it's not fatal, no one dies, it's still interesting. It's still scary. It still elicits big emotional responses. People are more likely to read that story or click on the story and then read it and then share it. Okay, I get that. I think we all understand that. I'm not asking you to ignore in your life 
serious, threatening news, whether it's a crime spree, whether it's, God forbid, a plane crash, things like that, of course. But do you have to post it? If there's a plane crash, I promise you the major news organizations are going to cover it. If there's an earthquake somewhere, I promise you the major news organizations are going to cover it. Here's what I'm not so sure they're going to cover. Will they all cover the heroic acts of all the rescuers? Some of them might. They might give a little bit of information about it, but it won't necessarily be in a headline. Same thing with an earthquake or other natural disasters. Of course they'll talk about the efforts to rescue and save and help. But they may not go into it as much as they should. Although I will say, especially since 9-11, I do think that there has been, that, that the news media and, and regular people have tended to focus a little bit more on first responders. I mean, the very fact that we even have a term first responders, that was not a term that I remember as a child or as a teenager in this country. So the very fact that we have that out there proves that what I am admonishing you all to do can actually work. We can get new terms like, for, I would like to see more terms like first responders get into the vernacular in this country and other countries. So that's kind of an easy thing to do because I think it's sort of started already where people have, for years now, where people have started to at least give some attention with it, whereas they didn't used to give very much to the rescuing aspect and the people who are doing the rescuing. But it's got to go beyond that. I have long told people, for example, with the coverage of, of news from Israel, and I did an edition of Novak Now specifically on this just a few weeks ago, but when it comes to stories out of Israel, all of us who support Israel need to be much more active in our pursuit of the news from there, whether it's looking at more news media outlets online, you know, whether it's buying more papers, whether it's looking at more of them online, whether it's calling our friends and relatives in Israel and getting more of the news that way. It has to be more of an active, active part of our day. If, 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 if information from Israel is going to have such an impact on us and we're just going to passively allow it to come to us from sources we don't know or sources that may not be friendly to Israel, then I don't know what, how good a job we're doing as supporters of Israel. And I feel the same way about a number of other stories out there. Now, like it or not, most of us at some point will be facing some kind of health challenges. And... I think that over the last four years when the American news media and most of social media has really been basically focused on one story, the one story that America and really almost the whole world has been focused on more than any other and in some cases only exclusively has been basically Trump or or pro-Trump and anti-Trump. That's been your story for the last four years. The amount of news, the amount of important developments that the world and, and all of us have missed because of this singular focus, is astounding. And I think possibly at the top of the list over the last four years is the fact, and I'm going to pose it in the form of a question. Are you aware that over the last four years, the advances that have been made in the fight against cancer have been so significant that you could, you could really re- realistically argue that the advances against cancer in the fighting of cancer and the longevity and the, uh, the adding of life for people who are suffering from cancer, the fight against cancer has had more positive 
a, a, a bigger positive step over the last four years than the previous 20. You could realistically say that. Did you know that? Not likely. Not likely because, again, your major news media sources, even for people who call themselves news junkies, or even for people who are very actively following the developments in the world that they believe they are, haven't had a chance to see it because it's been totally dominated. Our, our, our information portals, even though there are so many more of them now, they've been so dominated by one story. And again, this is not to praise or to attack Trump it, it, from an editorial point of view on my part. This is just this is a, this is a statement of, of absolute fact. You can be pro-Trump or anti-Trump. It'd be very hard for you to to deny that that has been the one dominant story for the last four years, to almost to the exclusion of all others. Now, thankfully, there are still because of the internet. There are still a number of publications, you could call them, or online sources that focus really only on health news. And when I say that, they also, yes, they also look at public policy. It's not like they're, po- they're politics free. They're not free of politics. They're certainly going to look at things like Obamacare and health care stuff and things like that. But th- there are so many publications that even for people who are not doctors and not, si- not professional scientists can understand what's going on. And you can see all of these developments. You can also, depending on how much you trust them, just follow the announcements from the certain companies that are working on some of these cancer cures and cures for other things. Now, you can always say, this is what the company says. That's all you need to say. With the understanding that especially if they're American-based or Western country-based pharmaceutical companies or treatment centers... Uh, the chances of them outwardly completely lying, it's there, but it's minimal. Remember, they face serious legal and financial setbacks if it turns out they're not telling the truth about a particular cure or treatment. So I'm asking you to follow those, follow that kind of news. It's not that hard. You know how to use your your Google search bars or your Bing search bars, cancer cure. You could type in there every day and find it, things like that. You can also follow my daily news updates that are mostly financial news-based, but of course, I, I, I talk about pharma all the time. This is just one example. And you can post it every single time and talk about how, I hope this is true. I hope that this, this breakthrough today is, po- is positive. This is not regarding cancer, but the other major, I would say, cancer and, and, and Alzheimer's are the two holy grail type treatment goals for all, all the pharmaceutical industry. In fact, I would say Alzheimer's is even a little bit bigger because there's been so little success in battling Alzheimer's as opposed to cancer. But this morning, Eli Lilly, the major pharma company, announced that it's had positive results from from a relatively small, admittedly small, but still positive results from a small group of, of test patients in the fight against Alzheimer's disease. And before the stock market even opened in pre-market trading, Eli Lilly shares were up 14%. Understand that major established pharma companies to be up that much uh, in, in a given day is extremely rare. And this is exciting and important news. The, the Alzheimer's epidemic in this country and in Western countries is so, so severe and that is why it is such a holy grail, uh, for lack of a better term. You know, if, if you're not familiar with that, you could say this is something that every pharma company knows would be the biggest home run, potentially, 
ever in pharma sales if you had an effective Alzheimer's treatment, vaccine, anything to just improve mental cognizance. Whenever you hear about reports of positive tests, even at the smallest levels for an Alzheimer's drug, that company's shares go up. Sadly, there, hasn't, there haven't been enough examples of that, but there was one today. And I think the fierce optimism that we need to show to prove that human nature isn't all about negative news, to prove that we aren't going to be dominated by our fears and our negativity, especially at this time, we have to start posting stories like this. It can't just be me. It can't just be a couple of pharma geeks or financial stock people who trade pharma stock geeks. It has to be all of us. Is there anyone listening to this, this, this broadcast who doesn't know someone or at least close to someone who also knows someone who has suffered from Alzheimer's? I, I, I tend to doubt it. Certainly there's no one listening to this broadcast who doesn't know someone who has dealt with cancer. Again, I would really be shocked. I'm certainly not wishing it on anyone. Don't get me wrong. But we know this is true. And folks, it is still easy, despite the fact that if the major news media organizations, and by that I mean the New York Times, the, maybe the Wall Street Journal, CNN, MSNBC, Fox, I know all those, those, those major groups aren't really going to walk away from their type of coverage. But if you just move away from those folks, which is not hard to do on your phone, how many, time, I mean, how many websites can you look at in 10 minutes? 100? Probably more. You can find stories like this. And I think that for those of you who think this is too Pollyannish, it's too similar to reporting about every plane that lands safely at JFK, remember that you're still tapping into a passionate aspect of your human nature. I think that whereas someone could easily surmise, well, there's a human nature bias that also is evident in the news media towards things that frighten us, things that really make us angry. Okay, what if there's a little bit of a caveat to that, which is, no, it's about things that get us emotionally charged. If you can present positive, you know, optimistic news, if you can present positive and optimistic news in a way that emotionally charges us and is evident as that it emotionally charges you without becoming a maniac, I'm not asking you to foam at the mouth, but if you can present positive news in that way, I think it may tap into and serve as an antidote to the stories and the, and the tendency to look for stories that tap into our angers and our fears. If it's about adrenaline here, adrenaline can come from positive stories as well if we take that attitude that this is a great story, this is a story that people need to hear, and that second part is important. If, you, if anger is something that you think is going to fuel your, your posting no matter what, then just be, then be angry that people aren't looking at this optimistic story. Use that as your adren- adrenaline boost. And that is fine. Now, this is also very true for those of you, so many of you listening, when it comes to stories from Israel. If you look at my Twitter feed, if you look at my LinkedIn feed, I have almost every day at least five or six positive stories from Israel. And yes... Somebody could say, well, that's a Pollyanna thing. There's still plenty plenty of problems going on. Of course there are. But I think you're getting that elsewhere, and I don't feel like I need to fill in those blanks for you. I do it at times. Obviously, I have commentary about elections, commentary about other problems, and I don't whitewash the issue. But I also am fiercely committed to making sure people know what's really going on in Israel 
And so there are so many positive stories. And, and again, a lot of them tend to come through, come from the pharma industry, not, 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 not coincidentally. A lot of them are from the tech industries. A lot of them are stories about financial uh, leaps and bounds that Israel has, have been take, has been taking. This is very, very important. It has to be something that we do with enthusiasm. Again, tap into the adrenaline that you get from when you maybe, – maybe when you think about how no one else is talking about it or only a few people are or this is something that is so exciting and really could make a difference. You've heard me say on previous editions here on Novak Now, just for example, just, just water and irrigation news. I mean the whole world – so much of the world is really in danger of running out of water, and Israel has so many solutions for that. And there's news again today about that as well. Israel is going to do a big desalination project for Bahrain in yet another one of the dividends of these peace deals that have been signed. Obviously, the Abraham Accords, the peace deals with Bahrain and the UAE and Sudan and, and all these other countries that are getting involved in it, are very important stories that need to be talked about. And even when peace deals aren't signed, certain, you know, yet you keep your ears open, as again, you've heard on this program anytime, keep your ears open for changes, positive changes. You've heard me say on previous editions on Novak Now that the worst ever blood libel against the Jewish people, the Al-Aqsa blood libel, the lie that has been told in Muslim countries for decades that Israel is somehow stopping prayer or desecrating Muslim mosques on the Temple Mount. You could, you've heard me say on previous editions of Novak Now that Saudi Arabia is starting to push back on that lie and say it's not true. That's a huge positive development that could save a lot of lives going forward. And yes, there's a major adrenaline comes from me when I post these positive stories. This isn't me with hat, with a happy smiley face saying, Hey, everything's happy. No, it's, this is so important. This is a good thing. This is an absolute challenge for us to continue on this positive momentum. There are so many other areas besides cancer and Alzheimer's breakthroughs and positive economic and and tech news and stuff like that from Israel. There are so many other areas where we can seize on this kind of stuff. And it doesn't all have to be, for example, even just... Here's one human being in the world who did a nice thing, which is an absolutely okay thing for everyone to post. I would all like you to do that. But understand that there are big things always going on that are positive, that are not covered, that people don't know about. And again, if this were 20 years ago, I don't know who else I could talk to about this other than getting a private meeting with some of the directors of major corporation, media corporations. But that's no longer necessary. This is up to you and me. Now, I dare... Twitter and Facebook and all the other social media companies to ban people posting the kind of positive news I'm talking about in a sharp adrenaline boosting type way. I dare them to do that. Of course they won't do that. I don't, I absolutely don't put a lot past them. Don't get me wrong. But if you spend your day talking about, posting about positive cancer research, positive Alzheimer's research, technological breakthroughs in Israel, it's going to take a whole lot for someone to really push back on you. Now, people who want to fight and want to be negative, yeah, you may drive them away. That's true. But I think if they really crave the adrenaline boost of things that they see sometimes online, and if you present it the proper way, maybe they won't walk away. Maybe they'll want to talk about other things. And that's where you really need to have that conviction to, to be more of an aggressive 
positive warrior online. And I hate to use the term warrior, but you know what? This is a war of information. And for maybe since the beginning of time, the war of information has been won by the negative folks. And I think we can change that now because I'm not so sure it's negativity that we crave or fear or anger. I think it might just be that adrenaline boost that we crave. And if that's the case, aggressive optimism can meet that goal, can meet that need. I'm Jake Novak. This has been Novak Now on the Nachum Siegel Network. I hope to speak to you again next week.